Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes. So nice to be back this week. Hope y'all had a great weekend. It's a fun time of the year. I love December, love Christmas, love the holidays, just good vibes, good energy, right? On today's episode, I have two different guests that come on, different times. Sean Bingham makes a return, love having him on. He has a great podcast that he's got going on simply the best sports take you can find that on any podcast outlet i highly encourage you if you can't get enough sports out there sean is a great resource for that he's very well up to date um he's great at just kind of keeping perspective on things i think uh the way i look at sean is that he's a very rational uh sports take kind of guy he definitely doesn't do it to wow anybody or to be kind of the hot take guy. He just simply says his opinion, and it's simply the best. I actually didn't even mean to do that. But anyway, Sean does a great job. So I wanted to bring Sean on. I wanted him to kind of walk me through some of his thoughts because he shared on his podcast yesterday of why the college football playoff committee is kind of like losing some credibility. And he broke that down really well. And we go through that. And then Chase joins us. Uh, not us, me and Sean, but just me. Uh Chase comes back on, and we, we actually watch the outcome of the BYU women's soccer. They, they played in the national championship last night, and we watched, I think, the first like seven or eight minutes of the podcast is watching the penalty kicks because it went into penalty kicks at the end, ended in a 0-0 tie in regulation. So they had to get the winner through the, uh, the PKs, the shootout, which uh, unfortunately you probably know by now the BYU women's team did not pull it out kind of thought it would be like a funny thing to do to just put that on there you can skip ahead like seven or eight minutes and then chase will and i will get get back at it we'll kind of get more of our um anger out we'll take a little bit more of our anger out and just kind of like trying to process these things of why sometimes you just feel screwed as a byu fan but here's the thing i will say this if you're a utah fan listening to this i don't really think you'll have the last laugh so Think about that. Sean makes that good point too uh, early on in the podcast. So anyway, hope you all are having a great week. Uh, it's Tuesday. Get out there. Get after it. And uh, we'll uh, see you later in the week. I'll have a a Roe versus Wade kind of abortion topic with those two lawyers that I that I brought on, and it's a great breakdown of the history behind that. So I think you'll find that really interesting. Anyway, love you all, and uh, have a good one. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the, the Mormons, Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. Okay, joining today is a uh, second time we've had this guest on, Sean Bingham. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Really appreciate it. Um, I couldn't help myself. I I actually watched your podcast today, uh, which you got a whole YouTube thing going on, which is awesome. Uh, I do, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that's something that I would like to adopt at some point. But dozens you know. of viewers. <laughs> there's, do- there's dozens of us <laughs> yeah so plug the podcast have people go subscribe to mine too you know that's right that's simply the best sports take which is kind of nice because there's a there's a double i don't know if it'd be double meaning double entendre yeah, no play on the initials stb yeah. that's right yeah sean um, thomas bingham simply the best yeah for real dude i know you've got a good following so i'm gonna plug it myself go subscribe to my podcast too guys it's it's everywhere you get podcasts youtube spotify anchor apple everywhere simply the best sports podcast sean bingham go find it yeah what i love is that you do kind of a broad category of sports and you do a really good job of like picking kind of the hot topics and i especially like your approach is not mainstream at all um thank you to me you're like I don't know. It's hard to come. It's hard to like totally pinpoint exactly what I mean, but ultimately I love it when you go after Nick, Wright. Basically (laughs) (laughs) he's easy to go after, you know, but because Nick, Wright Is just like, he's, he's just cut from that same skip Bayless mold. Right. It's like, it's like they say things just to get a reaction out of people. And you're kind of the anti that you don't say things to get a reaction out of people. Yeah. Nick, Nick wrong. As I call him. Yeah, exactly. You call him Nick wrong. I love it. (laughs) Um, It's yeah. So true. But that the I 
sorry, I'm like jumbling over my words because I like want to say so much, but I just really appreciate you coming on kind of last second here because I go, I'm looking at your podcast and I'm like, this guy is saying everything that I want to say. And so I got to just bring Sean on if he's willing last minute, which I think feel like a lot of good podcast episodes happen that way anyway. So bring you on and let you kind of go for a second because you really go off on the committee rankings, which is exactly what pretty much every BYU fan has been feeling for the last 24 hours, which before you get going, did you actually, I got to ask, did you watch the unveiling? I didn't. Um, I was at church. I'm sure people on this podcast will appreciate that. But yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I saw what happened and I know they talked about BYU and how BYU was right on the fringe and, and whatnot. But nothing that happened surprised me. I mean, kind of surprised that Utah jumped all the way from 17th to 11th and things like that. But in the end, yeah. it was kind of a meaningless adjustment anyway. Like, because the package was going to be ahead of us yeah. regardless. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into the nuances behind it um, because I have specifics about it as well. Like, And I'll, I'll expand on this later, but I'm not ticked that B- BYU didn't make the NY6. I'm not ticked at that. That was kind of to be expected. I thought yeah. losing to Boise probably sealed our fate in that regard. Yeah. But the reason why I bring up the actual like unveiling of it all is because, no joke, it took like two and a half hours. These guys oh, just wow. milked it for all they wanted, maybe an hour and a half. I can't remember, but they were just like milking it. They, they unveiled like the top six, which like everybody knew who the top six were going to be anyway. So nobody cared. And then, then they like interview all the coaches in the top six. And you're like, who cares about any of this? (laughs) And then they're interviewing some players and then, then they unveil the rest and they get Gary Barta on and they don't even challenge him on anything. And it was just kind of this reflection on everything where it's like, these people don't really care. They really don't care. They only care where the, where the dollars and cents are, which yeah. you got to think BYU's got to bring money mm-hmm. too. So I don't yeah. know. Maybe they don't. I, I don't know. It's hard to say. But anyway, I'm going to let you go because you like let you uh, take it from here because you. I loved how you did your breakdown in your podcast today. So I kind of want to bring that over to mine. Yeah, dude. So I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. I think the rankings are just kind of a joke. the The main point I was making is that the college football system is just a broken system. You've got these huge, huge programs, this massive audience, like bigger audience than a lot of professional sports. I mean, it's right there with the big three professional sports being, of course, the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. College football is like right there. And it's the one place where we don't let the outcome be determined on the field or on the court. It's it's a committee. It's a, it's a group of suits sitting in a room mm-hmm. and they're looking at these hugely diverse schedules, right? I mean, sure. Cincinnati's 13 and 0, but like, who did they really play? And they're trying to like determine all of it. And then they just decide, okay, these four teams, we have deemed them worthy of a chance to play for a national championship. The rest of you guys F off, go play in some meaningless bowl a month from now that nobody's going to watch. Your coach is going to quit between now and then. Um, and good luck to you. As long as we have some people tuning in, cause they're sitting around bored during Christmas break. We're happy. And the whole thing is just, in my opinion, really stupid when you could have it be, sorry for saying F off, by the way, that was inappropriate. <laughs> but I'm um, sure I've said much worse on my podcast. I never <laughs> clicked that explicit button though. I don't think I've ever had to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. But it, it, it's just a huge moving target too, right? Like I get that there's, it's tough to, to play, do a playoff with like 300 teams, or I guess there's only a hundred and something in football. Um, so they can't do like a true playoff, really. They could expand it and they should expand it. Um, or they should have just different divisions within college football. They should say, hey, look, we're going to have if, – if the if the Power Five conferences are so much better, which they're not, and we'll get into that. But if, if they are and if they were, then there should just be a league of a national champion for them. And there should be a different league of a national champion for the group of five. And there should be relegation within those leagues. If you're a Kansas and you're going freaking 1-11 and year after year, you shouldn't be in that upper league. You should be dropped down to the lower league and somebody like a Cincinnati or a BYU or a Boise state should get bumped up to the higher league um, and have a chance to compete. So that's something that should be done. But with these rankings, I mean, Michigan, they, they're ranked second in the country. Okay. Just a week ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was, we're hearing how Alabama might not be that good. Have we missed the mark on Alabama? Are they really that talented? They went to four overtimes against Auburn. Auburn's not very good. And then a week later, all of a sudden, oh, they're the greatest thing on earth. They're the best team in the country. They're going to win it all. 
It's like the ranking, it's such a moving target. So Michigan goes into the week, goes into the weekend, ranked second in the country. Okay. They play the 13th ranked team for the Big Ten Championship. And they win, they win 42 to three. And the reward is they get to stay put and have Alabama leapfrog them. Which now they have to play Georgia. Did you see the clip that somebody posted on Twitter of seeing Jim Harbaugh on the sideline? Now, we don't know for sure, but when they said it, what he said, what he was mouthing in the uh-huh. in the mic on the sideline, it looked perfect, which was we have a chance at a number one seed. And it was near the end of the game when he yeah. was like, let's score. Because he said, really? you're going to like pedal to the metal. Yeah, that was on Twitter today. And I'm yeah. like, holy cow, that's pretty cool to see kind of like how even he was thinking along those lines, because I came away after that game thinking too, how does Michigan not get number one after this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and do I think that Michigan's better than Alabama or Georgia? I don't really know. And that's why you should play the games and let them determine if they are or aren't. But, but what the committee said was, Hey, you know what? It really only matters what the sec does. We don't really care what the big 10 did. Um, Congratulations, Michigan by beating a ranked team 42 to three for the conference title of the second biggest and best conference in all of football, your reward is you get to stay put and you actually now have to play the team that we have told you for the last two months is the best team in the country. So yeah. congratulations. You have a worse road to the national championship now. I mean, it's, and what it's I ridiculous. especially hate is how they were, you can, it's obvious how they were trying to avoid a first round rematch mm-hmm. right after oh, the other one. Right so, after the other. so obvious. So obvious. And, and that's the other point I wanted to make is why do we even have Georgia in there? If, if you're only going to allow four teams, now don't get me wrong. I think Georgia is very talented and you know they have a chance to win it all. But if you're only going to have four teams in the playoffs, I'm sorry, if you lose your conference championship game, you should be automatically eliminated from the playoff contention. That should just be a hard rule. Nobody wants to see Alabama and Georgia again because we just watched it. It was a neutral site. It was a high stakes championship game and it just happened. Why on earth would we want to see it again in three weeks? We yeah, don't. ever. Yeah, and, and and they don't want to see it again in three weeks, which is why they shifted it around and said, okay, we're going to jump Alabama up to number one and we'll leave Michigan at two and then Georgia to three. That way, Alabama and Georgia can only play again if it's in the national title game, which nobody wants to see that. And Did so you, you look at the these lines are too. Yeah, yeah. It's 13 and a half for Alabama, favorite favorite over Cincy, and then six and a half for Georgia over. Yeah, Michigan. both SEC teams are favorited already. And you're just like, gosh dang it. Like seriously, we're gonna see a rematch in the national championship. And we've only seen these two teams in the national championship, it seems like in the last five years. But I know. obviously I'm exaggerating. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just think I just think the whole thing's kind of a joke. And then you go down to the BYU Utah thing. Now, I don't want it to sound like we're these bitter, you know, BYU fans, because ultimately it really doesn't matter. I want to make that clear from the start. It doesn't really matter. BYU was not getting a New Year's Six Bowl and Utah was going to the Rose Bowl. Those things were we already knew that was happening. No big deal. But it's just funny how much the committee is desperate to show that all their conference champions landed in that top 12. And so what did they do? They moved Pitt up to 12 and Utah up to 11 to make sure the ACC champ and the Pac-12 champ land in that top 12. Because now it's like, exactly. oh, look, all of our top five conferences are in the top 12. Just It just naturally happened that way. No, it didn't. You freaking jumped Utah up six spots. And BYU played a very similar schedule. They were 5-0 and against Pac-12 teams. They their strength of schedule is like depends on which platform you look at, but which is something that's apparently hard to measure, by the way. Like there's not a lot of like cohesion in terms of how people view strength of schedule and how to mark yeah. that. Yeah. But and anyway. you can obviously you go off of your opponents' records yeah. and then your opponents' opponents' records and margin of you know victory, things like that for your opponents. And I I don't know all the different algorithms. There's a bunch of different ones out there. Yeah. But BYU was consistently in like the mid fifties and Utah was consistently in like the low forties. So they're about a 12 to 15 team difference in ranking, but Mm -hmm. not very, that's not, that's not very much when you're in the forties and fifties. And on top of that, Utah got a 13th game against a top ranked Oregon. And so that extra one single game, the PAC 12 championship game is the difference from being ranked 55th in strength of schedule to going up to 42nd or whatever in strength of schedule. Yeah. And BYU, BYU didn't get a chance to do that because they're not in a conference and you know all that stuff. And so it's just funny, though, that you can have a worse record, have lost head-to-head, and have very similar schedules, but somehow be ranked higher. <laughs> like, Yeah. You know? 
that was the thing for me where I was just like, I, I don't mind. Like, I was fully expecting BYU to be left out. I really was. Like, as soon as uh, Michigan blew out Iowa, it's like kind of like, well, that makes Michigan State, you know, by the law of how transitory power or however that works, that makes Michigan State look better. So we're really not going to hop them anymore, especially mm-hmm. when Baylor won – or, yeah, Baylor, Baylor beats – Oklahoma State and you're kind of like well Oklahoma State beating Baylor was kind of like our best shot was jumping Baylor mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, which would have been tough but no three lost teams were ahead of BYU at the time but listen to what you're saying it would have been tough everyone agrees it would have been tough for BYU to jump Baylor why because BYU lost head-to-head even though they yeah. would have had the better overall schedule or better overall record than Baylor mm-hmm. we still knew ah, it's kind of a long shot to jump them because they beat us and will only be one game ahead of them in our in overall record Utah, we beat and we have a better record, and yeah. somehow they jumped us. <laughs> yeah, and now the narrative is like, well, Utah is the better team now. They're playing better now. And it's like, if you talk to a Utah fan one-on-one and actually talk to him and be like, do you really think Utah would just roll over BYU? The ones that aren't delusional would say no, but it would be a better game. I think we'd all agree on that. So yeah. at that point, you're like, you still don't really know. You can't definitively say who the better team is. Yes, and, and, and- people make – BYU, BYU controlled that game against Utah literally from start yeah. to finish. They controlled the entire yeah. game. And, you know, all these teams evolve. I get it. BYU, or excuse me, Utah has a different quarterback now, and that's obviously a huge deal. Yeah. But, like, that was, you know, Whittingham had all summer and a couple of games before BYU. That's kind of the thing. How are we discounting the like, fact that <laughs> game prep and actually deciding which players should play is a big part of how good your team is? Yeah. It's like <laughs> he chose Brewer. Sorry. I mean, I don't know. Who knows yeah. what would happen if, if Rising was in? We don't know because that's not who the coach determined was the best option. Yeah, so, exactly. And would anything change if Rising did play that game and we still won? Would, would the narrative change at all? Of course not. Yeah. People would still be saying, oh, we're just a better, we're just playing better now. Well, and what's funny is that like, okay, that's a good argument for right now. It's like, okay, I get it. That's a good argument. It's a safe argument. It's one that you can't even fight back on because they're not going to play each other. And so that's why it's the argument like, well, they're, they've evolved. They're playing better now. Okay, wh- whatever. What's funny though is that BYU is going to go beat UAB in their Mickey Mouse Bowl. This is the part that I was like, I was sitting there watching your podcast and I'm like <laughs> nodding like aggressively. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> So, so BYU is going to go beat UAB in the Mickey Mouse Bowl. Utah is going to go lose to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. They're absolutely going to flip-flop on the rankings. And so now all of a sudden, because BYU beat UAB, now they're the better team than Utah, according to these rankings. I mean, it's this absolutely ridiculous moving target that makes no sense. And they just need to expand the playoffs, period. Yeah, and to that point, I actually have a little stat for you I was doing uh, near the beginning while you were talking. If football were to reflect the like March Madness, the NCAA tournament, how many teams do you think would be in the playoff at the end of the season? Oh, that's interesting because how many teams are Division One in basketball? Isn't it like 300 or something crazy like that? It's close to 300. Yeah, I actually yeah. looked that up and, and it's like I did the math already, but it's okay. three, 353. Okay, and then there's like 120 something for football, I think, right? Um, 130, I think. Yeah. 128 well, was a number I saw not too long ago. Yeah. Okay, so it's like, what is that, like 35, 40% somewhere in there? So I guess you could 16 team playoff would be like, I mean, that's. So still, the, the, you know. the actual equivalent is 25 teams. 25, 25 yeah. football teams making the playoff at the end of the season if they wanted to mirror that. Now, we understand basketball logistically just works easier in that regard. Yeah, you can play a really game, no, no big deal. No yeah. big deal. So even if you were to cut that in half, they'd say, well, at least do 12, which is yeah. what they're talking. Are they, what are they expanding to? Are they talking about eight or 12? I think they're talk. I think there's talks about both, but I mean, everyone would hope that it's going to be 12 because why would they at- do eight? Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah. What's funny. Well, I mean, there is, ten- there does tend to be a drop off, you know, like you look at, I mean, does BYU actually have a chance to go win three or four games in a row against the likes of Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio no. State, Baylor. No, they yeah. don't. Like they get ugly. Yeah. Um, and so I get it. It's like, okay, yeah, we want to give everyone a chance for like that Cinderella story, but but ultimately we want to crown the best team. And so I agree there needs to be something that kind of there needs to be some sort of gatekeeper that says, okay, these teams get in, these teams don't. I just wish more of it was determined on the field as opposed mm-hmm. to in a boardroom with a bunch of people worried about how much money they're all gonna make. Yeah. Well, and I'm just going to throw this your way kind of as we sign off here, because I do need to let you go. But 
Um, I don't understand why you why you have to have a committee because to your earlier point, like this is the only thing that is all of it's ar- arbitrary to some degree, but it gets a, a lot more arbitrary when you limit it to a handful of people that are deciding. Mm-hmm. And isn't that kind of the point of an AP poll? You're supposed to have plugged in voters, which, by the way, there are tons of voters. Mm-hmm. And that just by the laws of statistics, the increase of that, the less margin of error you have. Mm-hmm. And so I don't understand why you can't just decide the college football playoff by the AP voters. I mean, is that too crazy? Or at least a conglomeration of AP voters yeah. and some other voting? I don't know. Where you just, the more people, the more eyes. I, I, I can't imagine the margin of error is much worse than a, a random committee just making arbitrary decisions based on what their eye test is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the AP poll, one thing I do like about the college football playoff committee is they don't even come out with their rankings until like, what, week seven or eight or whatever that it is. That is beneficial. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Because the AP poll, like, you start in like Clemson's like number two, and then like three weeks in, we're like, uh, never mind, they're not ranked, you know? like. But, but, that's a, that, but that's another point, though, is that how often has the AP gotten it wrong by the end of the season? Like, and, and because they got it so wrong at the front, like everybody acknowledges that they always get it wrong at the beginning of the season. That always happens. But by the end of the season, has anybody been screwed because they were so disadvantaged in the AP pool at the beginning of the season? Yeah. I don't know. It does feel like, it does feel like the big conferences, the big schools, they're kind of innocent until proven guilty. And then the teams like BYU, Cincinnati, they're guilty until proven innocent. It's like, those teams have to go and the big schools have to prove that they suck <laughs> and the yeah. small schools have to prove that they don't. And so yeah. it's like Houston can be 12 and 0 and they're still like, I don't know, you know, even though uh, Texas A&M's eight and four, I think they're should be ranked. They should be ranked higher. And there is good argument there because of the difference in who they play. And that's why I'm like, then freaking make multiple leagues. Stop it already yeah. with, you know, having, it, having this be one league. If there's, you know, such a huge gap between the two, just make two yeah. leagues, you know, and have two playoffs and make more money. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's but. interesting, man. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because I, I really liked how you, how you put it on your podcast and everything and just kind of highlighting the inconsistencies there. Uh, I was appreciative of that. So thanks for making the time to come on to my podcast, man. And yeah. If you, and if, do you have anything, anything else to say before you sign up? I don't think so, man. That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, last thing I'll say is cause I know this is probably a lot of BYU people to listen yeah. Let's let's not be the bitter, you know, whatever. Let's just let's just agree with all these Utah fans. Like, yeah, I totally agree. The rankings are totally accurate. And then let's remember that conversation in three weeks when the final rankings come out and BYU's ranked ahead of them, ahead of the Utes because they freaking beat UAB. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's got it's that's a great point. Be patient. Bide your yeah. time. Yeah. And then we'll show them. Like right now, it seems like Utah is the last laugh because I get the NY6, an opportunity to cool bowl game and everything. But at the end of the day, I still think there's an argument to be made. If we finish in the top 10, which mm-hmm. is a very real shot of that still in the AP top 10, that's a fantastic. I mean, it's already a freaking great season for BYU football. Yeah. But yeah. to end in the top 10, like you should hang a banner for that alone. If for those that are into banners, which I'm not even into banners, but they always say, hang the banner, hang the banner. It's like, well, then hang that banner because that's pretty yeah. dope, I think. But, it is but, cool. It's very cool. And it is a bummer we lost that Boise State game. You know, it's just, uh, yep. yeah, that one, that one's too bad. You and I talked about that. You know, I just feel like BYU was drinking the Kool-Aid uh, going into that game because they had just won a bunch in a row. They were, what, 5-0, and 6-0, something like that, and got ranked pretty high. And it was like, oh, we're so good. Mm-hmm. And then the next game just got in lay an egg, have like four fumbles, whatever it was. It was just horrible. And that and then that the game, rains came down, man. Yeah. And we were the foolish man on that day, dude. <laughs> Sorry. It's a it's I do gospel takes sometimes. I can't help myself. <laughs> smart, smart. Yeah. But yeah, that that game really did us in because I'm just looking at these rankings. You take away that one loss, and our if we're eleven and one with our only loss being to Baylor, who's number seven, you gotta think we'd be up around number nine. Or something yeah. like that, and yeah. we're for sure in a, in a New Year's Six game at that point. Oh, no maybe, question. Maybe even against Utah, which could be kind of fun. That yeah, would be, yeah, rematch there. Because even though the, even though Ohio State's from the Big Ten, they're not the Big Ten champ, and so they weren't like guaranteed that that spot with the Rose Bowl. At least that's how I think it is. Do you know? Oh, uh, I don't know actually. I mean, I know I, I know it's a Big Ten, Pac twelve thing, but they're not. They're yeah. not Big Ten champ. Big Ten champ. Yeah, I'm not sure. Play. So I, there was room. There were rumors that like the Rose Bowl could pick whoever they wanted or something like that. Yeah. 
I think, but I heard that they were just rumors and that it wasn't actually true. So maybe there is like this condition, like big 10 champ. If that big 10 champ goes to the playoff, then it's the second. That's it. Runner up. I don't know though, for sure, but that'd be my guess. I will say this. The playoff committee is better than the BCS, the former BCS. Yes. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. But it needs to be expanded and things need to be changed. And anyway, that's it. (laughs) Totally agree, man. Thanks again, Sean. Really appreciate it. I'll go ahead and let you go though, man. All right. Thanks buddy. Later. Of course. Have a good one. Yep. All right, Chase, we're going to do something super unique on today's podcast. Um, I actually wanted to have you and Sean together at one point, but I, Sean had other plans because he had, he, he had, uh, he had things to do, but, um, also you guys would probably be expressing the same sentiment. So it would just be one big hate fest on the playoff committee. So I figured I'd catch you another time, but right now we are currently watching live the NCAA women's soccer championship national championship that BYU women are playing in against Florida state. So you are going to get live reactions because they are in the shootout. They just had two 10 minute extra time periods or whatever that's called. So they've played already for, what would that be? Uh, 110 minutes. So just short of two hours on the field. And we're about to see a shootout live. Each team gets five shots. Now, the problem here for those listening to this is that Chase, neither Chase nor I are like big soccer fans. In fact, Chase just told me today that he's he's not a patriot because he'll cheer for Messi over the U.S. Anyway, uh, Chase, tune, t- chime in here for a second just so they know you're here. Yeah, this is live at the time, as Dimitri Martin would say. But <laughs> live not, at the time. Not live for everyone listening, but that's okay. They won't yeah. know this. We have our first first lady cougar up. Um, what's her name again? Coolahan. She's like I think she's one of the best players. She'll be kicking the goal here in just a second. The penalty or the shootout right now. Boom! Yeah. Nailed it! Nailed it! All right, here we go. BYU is already up one. Do you think uh, you could make a penalty kick if you had to step in there and? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I absolutely do. Yeah, no warm up, no no, pra- no soccer practice. Just step in there and hit a shot. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Do you? I mean, it looks pretty easy. I mean, of all the things in sports to do, making a penalty kick, I think it's mostly just dependent on the goalie. Like, if the goalie guesses right, it doesn't really matter how good the person kicking it is. But even then, guessing aside is one thing. But like getting the right like angle and everything. Okay, FSU is up right now, and here it's their chance to equalize. On the shootout or PKs, whatever they call it. PKs is what they call it. Shoot up the kick. Oh, Ooh, she, see? She, that she was an example. So she got in. She got it in. It's equal now. The goalie, the BYU goalie, chose the right way, but it still went in. And that was my earlier point. It could not have been better timed. Like, even if you pick the right way, it's still she tough, have, man. She should have gotten that. I mean, I not not to be the soccer critic here, but I feel like the goalie should have got that. There's like I was saying earlier, there's nothing like freaking stupid fans who think they're already like who've never I've literally this is the first BYU women's soccer game I've watched all season. And I already think I'm an expert on soccer. I'll tell you more about that here in a second, because BYU is going for number two. Oh, it blocked it. She blocked it. There's something about FSU's goalie, by the way. I don't mind her her swag. There's something about her. She just seems like chill. (laughs) My my crazy? I don't know. We should uh, not, look into we should look into getting you her number after this. Um, I'd be kind of down, but I think she'd be super creeped out by a thirty four year old all of a sudden like inquiring. What is she like twenty? I mean, who freaking knows? <laughs> this is huge now. BYU's got to get a stop here. Yeah. So if FSU gets this next one in, they're up two one, and they're just about to kick here. She's gonna whiff. She got it right in the corner, bottom right corner. That was a great kick. Once again, our goalie guessed the right side. She just couldn't stop it because it's too good of a kick. I mean, because you have to to time velocity. You have to try and get the angle perfect. Like, there's a lot more to just picking a side, obviously. But I'll tell you this, dude. I played goalie in leagues before. Now, these are bogus leagues, but I played goalie. No joke. I've been in two different shootouts before. One of them was for the championship and the other was for the semis in a, di- in a different season. I'll follow up in a second. BYU is about to kick their third. 
Ooh, they got it. That was a great one. That one was going in hot. Dang. Feel bad for the viewer not being able to see anything we're talking about. But for those that watch, they know what we're talking about. This could be super anticlimactic for the viewers. This might be terrible radio, but whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so we won both those shootouts that I've been, I've, I've been in a shootout twice as a goalie and I won them both. And I'll tell you, if I remember right, it had almost nothing to do with me. They were just bad kicks for the most part. My team came through. All right, we got FSU's third kick here to go ahead. Oh, they stopped it. There we go. We're even. 2-2. Each team has two more kicks left. This is great. This is intense. Dude, did I ever tell you I've I've hit a 40-yard field goal before? Not in a game, obviously. I was never a field goal kicker in football. So you were you kicked from the twenty five or the the the, the thirty the twenty the, 30. the 20, from the twenty three. No, because it was it was okay, the, right. okay the, yeah yeah gotcha, like we yeah. weren't it wasn't doing yeah. it off the snap like my buddy was holding it. It was a hold. It wasn't off the tee. I think T's cheating a little bit. Anyway, I, BYU coming in with their fourth kick. Now that's pretty impressive. Ooh ooh, the goalie had a great block. Dang. All right, so BYU misses there. So BYU pretty much needs to get a stop on this next one. Otherwise, there's too much pressure. Way too much pressure, yeah. So FSU can go ahead by one here. Anyway, so yeah, I've hit a 40-year-old, 40-yard field goal. Um, But it's not as impressive as it sounds because it probably came off super low. You can put more power on it if you don't have to kick it as high, as steep, right, right away to get over the offensive-defensive line, so to speak. So... Yeah, but still, pretty, I had the power. I had yeah. the power, and I hit it in. So I felt pretty good about that. I can kick okay. All right, FSU is up with their fourth kick to go ahead here. Nailed oh, it. Nice Top right corner. Freak, this is not looking good. So now BYU has a do-or-die kick right here. It's over. This is it. Yeah, if this doesn't go in, game over. I mean, props to FSU. They're hitting some good ones, man. They just are. Yeah, you, that was these are the type of kicks. You really can't blame the goalie. She's she's choosing the right way for the most part, but they're just like tough freaking kicks, man. I wouldn't want to be the person. I would know. I've, I've been in shootouts before. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not want to be the person kicking right now for BYU. <laughs> yeah, me neither. This is the time where I might take you, turn you down. Okay, here we go. All on the line right here. BYU's fifth kick. Got uh, Goalie guessed the wrong way. Went in easy. Well, she wow. kind of went down the middle, which is a gutsy kick. That is a gutsy kick. I thought she really kind of went to the left side, though. I don't know. I, mean, I would it was ask really the, part I, the left, but it was. I would appeal to the viewers, but they don't know what the freak we're talking about. All right. If if they miss this, if our goalie gets it, we go into more shootouts. I think it's five more at that point. But FSU's final kick, and this is. Or is it, is it just sudden? Is it, is it just keep going every other until someone? I, oh, it might just keep going every other. I think you might be right. But this is it. FSU's fifth right here to see, and this I think they terrible. might have one of their best kickers. Actually, I think this girl going up for it. Oh, uh, got it. What a season for the BYU women's soccer team. I feel like they kind of got ripped off a little bit. And this is, once again, me talking about my soccer expertise that is pretty much non-existent. They they scored early, like eight minutes into the game, but then they called an offsides. And, I mean, it's really hard to tell on TV, so I don't think you can really say, like, um, whether or not it was a bogus call because they don't always have all the angles. Depth perception is near impossible. But, man, did it look close. Like, I just don't know how stingy soccer is on these things, like how like how close it has to be in order to call something. But anyway, looked tough, looked like a tough call. And then the other controversial call of the day was that there was an FSU girl who's like a really good player that should have gotten a yellow card that didn't. And I think that would have kicked her out of the game, but I'm not sure about that. Regardless, there were some questionable things that went on. Not enough to say like, oh, women, the BYU women's team got ripped off. Florida State's a good team. They were one seed. They were a one seed. So what, what can you say to that? Yeah. Well, this will be the only soccer game I watch uh, for the next couple of years. When's the World Cup? Is it next summer? Next summer, yeah. So it's 2010, Wait. 2014, 2018, 2022. So yeah, this summer coming up. Yeah, so you're going all in on Argentina, you freaking... Yeah, it'll be Messi's last World Cup, so I got to root for the guy. Been uh, wanting him to get one for ever since I served in Argentina, so... 
So if it came down to Messi um, playing against the U.S. in the World Cup, which obviously would never happen, but if it did, you would still cheer for Argentina? 100%, yeah, 100%. Oh, my gosh, you're sick, dude. Um, no question. Did you hear about the breaking news, kind of, by the way, out of the White House in terms of the Olympics? Nope. Supposedly, the Biden administration is doing a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics next year because of the human rights violations in China which I think is a fantastic move. They're not getting the athletes involved. So what it means is that like no government representative, government official will attend the Beijing Olympics next year, winter Olympics. So just in a couple months happening in February. No, it's just, just virtue signaling, really. It doesn't affect the... I mean, I guess, but I think a diplomatic boycott is something. I wouldn't say it's virtue signaling. It's not empty. Like it's actually saying like, we don't endorse this. As a government, we don't endorse this. Now... As a country, that's different because our athletes are still showing up, but it's something. Well, someone should, uh, no, no one gave uh, LeBron James that memo. So. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not playing in the Winter Olympics anyway, but yeah. I I'm just saying, like, yeah, LeBron supports China and everything. Cause... He doesn't just support it, dude. He freaking loves it. It's ridiculous how hypocritical that guy is. Anyway, that was kind of big breaking sports news in the world. Um, well, Chase, shout out to the BYU women's soccer team. I want to give you the floor a little bit because I know you got to get more angst out. You were like tortured these last 24 hours and you had some pretty good points and then you had some really emotional points. I'll try and weed through the emotional points and get to your good points because Sean Bingham came on the podcast earlier um, and he talked about how basically the playoff committee has like no, they, they should have, they have no way of consistency of, ba- of of trying to claim that they're consistent here because a lot of their rankings just don't make sense when you go through it right well yeah i mean so to put in the words of walt jr on breaking bad i'm pissed off and uh <laughs> i mean here's the thing i didn't expect byu to pass michigan state this week uh i do think our resume got a big enough boost that you could certainly make an argument for BYU. And I, and I, I do think if an independent analyst came in with a, you know, a nonpartisan, no agenda whatsoever, if they were to go compare the resumes of BYU and Michigan State, I really do feel like BYU would actually have the edge. Um, BYU's best win is now supposedly ranked number 11. Michigan State's best win is number two. And then you compare our losses. Michigan State got throttled by Ohio State. We lost a competitive game to Baylor, who's ranked right next to Ohio State. And then they lost to Purdue, which is slightly better than a loss to Boise State. So when you look at it all, that's all about even when you look at the best wins and our losses. But then you look at like the tier two wins, like the the solid P5 wins or the 10 win G5 wins. BYU clearly had an edge in that department. And I think that would be the thing that gave BYU, you know, the, the nod over Michigan State if there was an independent, like non-biased analyst that came in and made that decision. But these committees, I mean, they, they that your job as a committee member is to essentially not, uh, it's basically to cover your own ass. That, that's basically your job in the committee. And, the, and there's all kinds of agendas that play into that. Now, One thing I thought of real quick, sorry, along the lines of Michigan State too, the fact that Michigan got rated number two and not number one hurts Michigan State's case over us. Now, not to say that Michigan and Utah are neck and neck by any means, but it is a little bit of a signal that Michigan State's win over Michigan. Well, they weren't; they're not the best team according to us. So that a little that toggles a little bit of their their strength of schedule, right? Well, also a little BYU, bit ironic there. Yeah, and BYU's win over number eleven Utah was a more convincing win than Michigan State's win over Michigan. So you could say like, you know, they, those things kind of balance out. Um, but what, what bothers me is the fact that um, that BYU and Michigan State were supposedly neck and neck going into this week. BYU's resume clearly had more going for it this week than Michigan State's did. All, all Michigan State's resume did was basically they stayed the same. Michigan won a game they were supposed to win. Whereas on BYU's end, uh, Baylor wins the Big 12. Utah wins the Pac-12. Utah State wins the Mountain West. So it's apparently, you know, even though we were neck and neck going into this week, apparently that gap was big enough, despite everything that went for BYU this week, that was big enough that two teams could slide right in between BYU and Michigan State. And I think the reason they did that 
is a to promote you know the the New Year Six games. The the higher ranked the New Year Six games are, the the more viewers they might get. But I think more than that, it was to distract people away from looking or comparing BYU and Michigan State with a microscope. So they stick a couple teams in between them. It makes it look like there was this big gap, and then there's no like further analysis on who really deserved that spot. And I think they they did that to just avoid the controversy. But by by so doing, they gave BYU a giant slap in the face by ranking their rival ahead of them that they beat, that they had a better resume than, and really in every, you know, in every objective measure, BYU deserved to be ranked ahead of Utah. Regardless, even if you believe that Utah is the better team right now, that's not how the rankings are supposed to work. They're supposed to be based on your resume. The, the later season games shouldn't count more than the early season games. They're all measured equally. They all, they're all weighted equally. BYU beat Utah convincingly. They could have beat them by more, but they took a knee at the end of the game. Well, and, how can you make the argument that BYU is 5-0 in the Pac-12? So, like, if they – I mean, if you wanted to go off of that anyway, just on resume alone, like, BYU already looks pretty good there because who's to say they couldn't have run the table in the Pac-12? Well, Clearly, the they team. beat the best team in the Pac-12, so why couldn't they beat Oregon too? No, 100%. And if you want to say, well, conference championships give you a boost, like, that's fine. But in this case, BYU went 5-0 and against this conference that Utah won, and B – if, if conference championships matter so much, then why isn't Baylor ranked ahead of Ohio State? Ohio State's sitting there at 10-2, and two, Baylor's 11-2, and two, and Baylor won the Big 12, so why did Baylor not pass Ohio State if that's so important? And so it's just it, the rules apply wherever they want them to, and then they neglect the rules when they don't when it doesn't fit their narrative or when, it doesn't, when it's not uh, convenient for them. So the whole thing it is, is yeah, It is very convenient. I mean, it's, here's the thing. The... the uh, this is what I told Sean. I'm not shocked that BYU got pushed out at all. That they didn't make it. That was half. Ex- I mean, I was more than half expecting that. But Utah jumping ahead of us is like definitely a slap in the face. And it seems like Utah has the last laugh for now. Now I'll get to that in a second. But it's yeah. funny how it just totally shifts the tide of how I feel about Utah. Because no joke, I was texting my buddy after they had beat Utah or Utah had beat Oregon. He was a Utah fan. And we were, it was a group of four of us, two BYU fans, two Utah fans. And I, I was even saying like, you know what? I'm happy for you guys. Like, that's great. Like it's been a long road. You guys like played a good season there at the end. You bounced back. Well, like congratulations. And my Utah, one of my Utah fan friends was like, I don't want you to be happy for us, <laughs> which was actually a hilarious response. And I was like, I know, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was like, that's that's that makes me even more happy. Um, and we, we showed some good faith. Thing. We showed when some good rooting for them to like a kind of be happy for our Utah fan friends and B because we thought it was going to help us, but it turns out it didn't. And now we just look like jackasses for rooting for them, and then they get ranked ahead of us. Yeah, kind of right. I, I just hate how at the end of the day, like I now I'm back to it where it's like now I now I want Utah to get blown out by Ohio State. Like I'm right back to reverting to where like oh they're our rival. I don't care about them, and so that's why it's so funny how these things shift within like no joke 24 hours that's like less way less than 24 hours where i'm already like yeah screw utah screw them i hate this i hate this whole thing but along the lines of what i was saying before sean made this point that i thought was a good one was that if slash when utah state blows out utah or at least beats them handily and byu will more than likely blow out uab university alabama birmingham which I've been there, by the way, not to the university itself, but I've like driven right past that. They have a pretty nice stadium, actually, at least from the outside. Anyway, if that happens, BYU will inevitably bring you ranked higher than Utah. All of a sudden, are they a better team because they beat UAB and Utah got killed or lost handily to Ohio State? Are they a better team? Is that how that works? Like, how does the playoff committee, I mean, granted, they won't be making rankings after this, but how does the playoff committee justify that? Well, I don't think anyone even knows what rankings are anymore. The definition of rankings always change. It's like you have power rankings, which are supposed to be like, okay, who's actually better? And then you have just generic rankings, which are supposed to be more representative of what have you shown. But I don't think there's no consensus nationally in the AP poll or even the college playoff. Like there's no consensus on what rankings even mean. Like does it, is, it, is it what you've done or is it what, what pe- people hypothetically think you're capable of? I don't think anyone knows. Yeah. I think it's just what you just apply, whatever 
it fits your narrative and that's, that's the way you roll with it. I mean, it's the same thing. Like last year, I remember Colin Cowherd was making this big argument that Georgia should always be ranked ahead of BYU and Cincinnati because Georgia has better recruiting. And it's like, well, then why do we even play the games? Why, yeah. why are we even, why are we even bothered? Let's just, let's just recruit. And then let's just declare national champions based on who recruits the best high school athletes. Cause that's essentially you know what, what that is. Arguing. That was, we did that thing. We did that. We lived in a simulation when you and I would play college football late at night in middle school. And all we would do is just simulate the seasons and just do recruiting. That's all we did. Remember? That's all we did. <laughs> yeah, and somehow we enjoyed it. <laughs> we did enjoy it. It was all well, worth it. But like the best recruiting part was, was like the fun part. What's that? The best part was we always had to go over to our buddy's house and steal his PlayStation when he wasn't home. And then we would, <laughs> then we'd play it all night. <laughs> oh, it was the best part. I mean, he wasn't really our buddy. That's why. Anyway, <laughs> we're jerks. Doesn't listen to this now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something tells me we're safe there. But anyway, um, yeah, it's it's arbitrary. Once and also earlier, Sean made that same point where he's like, "It's the only thing that's decided by a committee. It's ridiculous. There's nothing really objective about it." So then I threw out the idea of why not let the AP poll dictate more of this? Because the more voters you have on something, the less margin of error, technically or theoretically, you should have. So why don't we just go off of that? Why don't we let the AP start ranking teams later, maybe even later in the season, and then we see a, a better shakedown like five, six weeks in and how it plays out at the end. I was saying the AP gets a lot of flack at the beginning, but at the end of the season, they do a pretty good job weeding out their bad decisions and actually objectively picking the best teams in large yeah. part. I think one of the problems with the AP is I think probably over half of them don't really take their job that seriously to rank the teams. And they either just mirror what other people are doing. They kind of see, okay, this is what the consensus says. So I'll just kind of mirror that with my own poll. Because it's, it's weird how how much consensus there is voter to voter. It's very similar. And you wouldn't think that if people were like truly trying to go in there and evaluate these teams – there would be a lot more uh, variability in outliers in terms of how they would rank these teams, but you don't really see that with the AP poll. But maybe if we were to give the AP poll full power to make these decisions, these guys would actually take their job more seriously and actually try to truly go in there and evaluate the teams. But maybe, yeah, yeah. The problem is, but I think the AP does it more than, obviously better than the coaches poll, and obviously the committee sits down and like tries to flesh it out as much as possible, but you're leaving more room for margin of error. You just are. And then groupthink can take over at that point. There's something to say that these people are in the AP poll are voting independently of each other. And when you have a large portion of them making these votes, like I said, theoretically, you should have less margin of error. No, I, I mean, it makes sense. There's more data points, at least. I, I don't think the coaches poll should even exist. I think that's a ridiculous poll. Like, of course, there's going to be so much bias tied into that. Like you're going to rank the teams that earn your conference and the teams that you play, they're automatically going to get preferential treatment. So the whole concept yeah, you're probably is right. stupid. Uh, so I hate that. Um, but no, I mean, the reality is college football needs to do what college basketball does. I'm not saying they need to go to 64, but frankly, I don't even think 12 is enough. I, I think they need to go to 16. And I think only then will you have a true, a truly fair uh, way to compete for a championship because that would allow all these G5 teams, any G5 team that goes undefeated, they're going to end up in that top 16. And frankly, any one loss P5 team is going to end up in that top 15 and probably most two loss P5 teams will get a chance. So everyone's got a pretty good shot to win the national title um, going into the season with a 16 team playoff. I think anything short of that, you're going to, you're going to snub people and it's just not fair. And it would be more fun. I mean, think about, imagine how much, think of all the fun we have with brackets with basketball. Imagine that doing brackets with a 16 team football playoff. That would be a blast. Yeah. Um, I was making the comparison to the March Madness. And if it was the same ratio of teams that make the tournament at the end of the season in NCAA basketball, as it was for NCAA football, you should actually have 25 football teams participating in a playoff roughly. So and that that would be that great. I mean, if they if they can make, I know they do that to some. That form. does seem like too much to me, but whatever. I don't know. Maybe the whole thing's arbitrary. But I do like sixteen. I like twelve. Oh. Certainly a lot more than eight. Eight would be stupid. They should definitely jump to at least twelve, and then maybe sixteen is is the future. I don't know. Well, I mean, the NFL they play seventeen games in a regular season, so why can't college football do a twelve game season and then still have like a five, four or five game, if you win everything to get win the playoffs? Like, why can't we do that in college? 
There's no yeah. real reason other than it's just hasn't been done before. Yeah. Fair point. Let's close out with this one though. You had said something on Twitter that I thought was a great point. If we didn't have a certain something yesterday would have been a million times harder. Yeah. So, I mean, the big 12 news could not have come at, at a more timely time for us because watching Utah go to the Rose bowl in a season where we beat them, where we had a better season than them and we get stuck with the independence bowl. I think that would just be a dagger to the heart of, of our concept of independence. And I think BYU, BYU sports in general would have slight died a little bit of a death this year without the knowledge that the big 12 is around the corner. And it's that big 12 thing that kind of gives us this sense that BYU, as a whole, BYU is still winning the war between BYU and Utah. They've won a lot of battles recently and it's kind of felt like they were turning the tide. But when we got that big 12 news, it was kind of like our Gettysburg where we turned the tide of the war back in our favor. And now it feels like, you know, yeah, they can have their little victories. They can have their streak that just ended. They can have all that. We know that as a whole, BYU is still the big brother. We're going to the power conference. Uh, everything's going to be set right in the universe now. And I think without that knowledge, it would be devastating to have, to have that news yesterday. Well stated, my friend. Could not agree more. Chase, appreciate you coming on. I think we've got most of our angst out, so we'll go ahead and call it quits from here. And get ready to do the Home Alone pod. We're going to do that soon. You in on that? I'm all in. Perfect. I'm looking forward to that, Chase. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you later. Go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. There must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. I could almost see it Did you fade right out of you If it takes time